Welcome to the Basin Church Podcast. And as a church, our mission is to bring hope and wholeness through Jesus Christ. And no matter where you are and as you listen today, we hope that you find hope in Jesus and even move one step closer to being made whole. So now we're continuing our series called Final Word. And anytime you hear the final word, it's usually reference to our mom's saying and you know closing out an argument or telling us not to stop fighting with our siblings or the judge has the final word but when it comes to to issues and topics in life as a christians what we believe is we believe that god has the final word and he has the final say and the final word and the final say is all found in his scripture and is in the bible and in timothy he says that all scripture is god breathed and it's used for correction rebuking and teaching. And so we believe that everything that there's an issue with or that we have some need of an answer, we believe that we go to the scripture and that God has the final word. Now when you think of word, I want you to think of the word, and maybe you've heard this word, but it's called prepper. I, you know, I remember, you know, just growing up, and again, like I said last week, when you live in a place that has earthquakes, you tend to prep. And the term prepper, and you know, with us having that snowstorm two years ago and the electricity going out, I don't know if you thought about prepping, but but it doesn't matter. But here's the, you know, I have a friend who's really involved in prepping and he sends me lists and sends me, hey, do you have this, this, and this? And you start slow. And basically what prepping is, is this, is that you kind of determine um, if you can survive if there was a, a catastrophe, if there's something major that would happen that would maybe, you know, take the power out. The stores would, the shelves would be empty. They wouldn't be able to get their their product in. And so you kind of think in terms of, do I store enough food? Do I store enough water? Because that's really the necessities I need. And so as you, you really prep for this disaster. And so some people think, well, I need the necessities. And then you got to figure out how long are you going to have your necessities for like so are you going to have your necessities planned out so you can last you three days can it last you a week a month or several months until it passes because you really never know what's going to happen so people tend to prep and they do stuff they they have water and way of cooking and some people go out and they buy generators in case the power goes out but they do that because for one very sole reason and the reason is this that they want to be self-reliant. That they don't want to be dependent on anybody else if something goes awry. If something goes bad and something just goes down, they can handle it. And so, but if you think about this, we truly want to be independent people, don't we? I mean, every year, July 4th, what do we do? We celebrate the independence of our nation. We celebrate, you know, when our kids become independent right when they start to crawl we're like yes and then they take their first steps we're excited yes they don't have to hold them anymore and we're excited too when our kids finally get out on their own and they're paying their own bills right we're like yes they're off our payroll but also <clears throat> we have this tendency to want to be independent from when we're a kid to 16 to getting our license but somehow, we always end up, later in life, becoming dependent. 
See, we always circle around and circle back to being dependent. Because when we, we get older, we want to retire. But we've got to have some form of income. We have to be dependent on some form of income. Whether it's Social Security, whether it's our retirement and our 401k, whether it's other streams or avenues of income, we become dependent on those. And we don't want to be dependent, especially when we get older. We don't want our kids to have to take care of us. We don't want a home to have to take care of us. But sometimes that happens. See, in terms of this, we believe, and maybe we even tend to think, that we can be independent in our relationship with God. We can go around and we can live our lives and we can think, well, we don't really need Him. But we end up circling back around to Him. Because at any moment, there's a circumstance or a situation that can arise and it can come in form of disasters, death, family problems, health problems. And in those moments of desperation, we tend to circle around back to God. And, and even if we haven't prayed, and even if we prayed since a little kid or we've never prayed before, all of a sudden we just get super spiritual. And it's like, I don't know if there's a God out there. I don't know, but Lord, I haven't prayed since I've been eight years old. But I just pray to you and I want you to intervene. And we ask God to intervene. We ask Him to do something in our situation and we cry out that we're dependent upon him. And when he intervenes, all of a sudden what happens is we just go back to our normal life. The question today I want you to wrestle with and kind of think about this is, what if we just embraced our need for God? Instead of trying to live independently of him or continue going through life as it just goes for us, what if we begin to live dependently? Because you know David. You've heard of David, the famous king of all Israel. He killed Goliath, wrote some of the Psalms. And in the book of Psalms, he begins to find and discover this thing that we lack everything when we're not dependent on God. We begin to lack everything when we're not dependent on God. See, but metaphors were used throughout the Bible, and they're used throughout the New Testament. And Jesus, in fact, used metaphors all the time. What did he say? He said, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light on the hill. And he gives these metaphors, and now what David does is he gives this metaphor of a sheep and what? A shepherd. Now, I don't know about you, but have you ever... If you have Instagram, I don't know if you do or you don't, but there's a new thing going on around Instagram, and it's what celebrity do you look like? Seen that? Okay, what celebrity do you look like? Now, someone maybe has come up to you and say, you look like someone famous. And here's what you're thinking. I hope they're good looking. <laughs> right? You're thinking, I hope they're good looking. I hope that is the right person. Now, I've been called many, thing, many, many uh, people. Okay, I'm not going to go into it. But um, people have all the time, oh, you look like this person, you look like this person. And see, now when, but when God refers to me as a sheep, I don't know if I necessarily like that. I don't know if you like that. Because if I'm going to portray myself, I see myself differently than other people see me. 
right? If you're going to choose me, God, to be a, a, an animal, can you just give me something fierce? Why am I this sheep? Right? And it, the reason is, is because sheep are helpless and they're boring. And what do they do? No, they're not fierce like a, like just, they're just helpless. And see, the difference between a goat and a sheep, and, and in the New Testament, you know, he talks about sheeps and, and goats, and, and Jesus talks about the, the sh- uh, being a shepherd. He says, I'm a good shepherd. And then he talks about that in the, in the days at the end, that he'll shep- separate the sheep from the goats. Right? The ones who are called with me are sheep, and the ones who are not are goats. Here's this interesting thing about goats. Goats can find food, find water, and find the necessities of life by themselves. Do you know a sheep cannot? A sheep is solely reliant on the shepherd. And sheep, I mean, the interesting thing about sheep is they're just dumb. They're really dumb animals. And and we'll talk about this in a little bit, but so what they do is they eat and they graze. Okay, and the interesting thing about sheep is this, that they can graze on just where the rain hits. But if there's a drought, do you know this about sheep? Sheep can go a long time without water. They're like camels. And so sheep, if a shepherd needs to make a long journey somewhere, sheep could do it. Because they can go days without water. And the interesting thing is, is the shepherd provides the necessities for the sheep. But also the shepherd does this. The shepherd not only does that, but he aids in the, the, for the medical well-being of the sheep. He also aids in the process of the birth. So a shepherd isn't someone or something that, that he, he's just not, you know, okay, this, I'm just, yeah, just, you're by yourselves. No, he actually has to provide everything for the sheep. And it's, and it's really interesting with all of this because as he, as he does this, you gotta understand his position. A shepherd was the lowliest position you could have. See, a shepherd wasn't something you wanted to be. Matter of fact, if you had a family, do you know the one person that got tasked to this assignment was the youngest? So if you're in a family, you know the youngest was like, okay, you're going to go out in the field, you're going to protect, and you're going to provide, and you're going to do everything you can for those sheep. Now think about this. David, what happens? When they come to anoint him, Jesse comes to anoint him, and the brothers, and he says, is there anyone else in the house? And what does his dad Jesse say? Well, there's the youngest out in the field with the sheep. So what you have to understand about this is taking care of sheep is a 24-hour job. It rain or shine, doesn't matter what time of day it is, doesn't matter what time the weather is, you are with the sheep. You have no life. Now think about that. Who's going to sign up for that? Not me. But what David does, and we're going to talk about this, is the famous psalm. It's in Psalm chapter 23. And maybe you've heard this psalm. Maybe you've heard it at a funeral, maybe you know it, maybe you've seen it somewhere. But he talks about this with all that backdrop of, of the shepherd. David begins to launch into this psalm, and he talks about this, that, 
yeah, I didn't, I didn't choose to be a shepherd. I understand a shepherd because I was the youngest. And I wouldn't choose to be a shepherd, but he says this, that God actually chose to take on this role and this provider, this protector for his people, and God willingly chose to be a shepherd. And so he talks about this. And if you have your Bible, you can open up to um, Psalm chapter 1, verse 3, or it will be on here on the, on the screen. And in Psalm chapter 3, verse 1, it says this. It says that the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. And so what David begins to say, and what he begins to understand in here, is this is kind of like the, there's two words and there's two things that are kind of going on here. He says the Lord. Okay, and the Lord is all-knowing, all-powerful, ever-present, self-sufficient, doesn't rely on anybody. And so you have the Lord, this contrasting of the Lord, who is the shepherd, who is the lowly position. So out of this, you have God who is self-sufficient, but becomes and chooses to be the provider and the protector of his people. And as he does this, the outcome is you have God who doesn't need anybody, who doesn't rely on anybody, doesn't need power, doesn't need wisdom, doesn't need money, doesn't need anything. He's not accountable to anybody. He does what he wants. He created time, transcends time. And you have a God here who says, I'm going to come down and I'm going to be like to my people. I'm going to be this shepherd. I'm going to take care of my people. And so what David begins to understand is that when God comes down, he cares for you, he cares for me. And if you don't get anything else out of today, here's kind of what David is saying. He's saying this, that provision happens when we stay in the proximity to the shepherd. Say that again, that provision happens when you stay in the proximity of the shepherd. And who's the shepherd? Jesus, the good shepherd. That you don't lack anything when you're, when you're close, knit relationship with your heavenly father. It's this whole point in, in, in doing all this. So as that is the topical sentence, and that's like an essay, he gives you the topical sentence, he's telling you exactly what's going to happen. This is the beginning sentence of the outline that David begins to talk about. And so what is he outlining? What is he saying? Here's what he's saying. He's saying, so what does God provide for us? Here's what he provides for us. In verse 2, it says this. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. See, the, the strange thing, I don't know if you know this, the strange thing about sheep is they can't just lie down. Now, you and I can just lie down, go to sleep. Some of you takes longer. Some of you are up longer. I can just hit the pillow and go down. I'm out. And the sheep can't do that. As a matter of fact, a sheep has to be free from four fears in order for it to lie down. Now, I'm going to read you something out of a, out of a book, and it's, it's a shepherd looks at Solomon, and it's Philip Keller, and he talks about a shepherd and a shepherd's life, and here's what he says he, about sheep not being able to lie down. Here's what he says. He says, they refuse to lie down unless they're free from fear. Sheep will not lie down unless they're free from fiction, right? If they're from friction with others of their kind. So if they're causing problems and there's friction in, you know, their, their circle and they're with the other sheep, if they are, they're just fighting each other, they're not going to lie down. They're just not going to do it. 
And then he says this, only when they are free from pests can they relax. And sheep, lastly, will not lie down as long as they feel a need of finding food. They must be free from hunger. Think about that. So he says they need to be free from fear, free from friction, free from pests, and free from hunger. And the point is this, that a herd of sheep that is agitated, disturbed, or restless is not going to do well at all. A herd that is agitated, restless, fearful, it's not going to do well. And it is true for you and me. That if we're agitated, if we're restless, if we're disturbed, we're not going to do well in life. See, because what happens is we don't know the unknown. No one knows what's going to happen tomorrow. Some of us worry and and we're fretting about today. And what ends up happening is, is fear begins to grip our lives. Well, I'm so concerned about what's going to happen, or I don't know what's going to happen, so fear begins to grip your life, and panic begins to set in. And you have panic, and you have worry, and you have fear, and all of a sudden it overcomes you. But let me tell you this. The good shepherd makes a difference. Because when you're in close proximity to the good shepherd, Jesus can dispel fear, worry, anxiety, angst, from your present, and from your unforeseen future. And he will be able to make you lie down. He will able you to have sweet, solid rest and not have any worries or fears because he's in control. And that's the picture of what God is as the shepherd to the sheep, and that's what he does for you and me. Now, David moves to a different part here, and he talks about the other thing that the shepherd does, and here's what he does. He says, he refreshes my soul. He guides me along the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now here's, here's the kind of the, there's two things going on here. He refreshes my soul. And some believe that when he refreshes your soul, it's, it's, he's giving you, offering you forgiveness. He's offering you his grace and he, his mercy. And he's restoring you spiritually. That's, that's what he, he is doing. And so you have this idea that he is bringing yourself, you and me, into a right relationship with him. So outside of him, we're broken. Inside, we're made whole and complete. And then he would go on and he would say, say this, that Philip Keller puts it in this, and in other terms, it's, it's kind of a cast down or a cast out sh- sheep. And here's what I mean by that. A sheep is often faced, you don't understand this, but as a shepherd he did, that a sheep was faced with a life and death situation. And here's how he was faced with a life and death situation. If the sheep was overweight, or if the sheep had overgrown wool, he would be in a, in a place of danger. And here's what I mean by that. So he would go, and as he would begin to settle down somewhere, he could wander off, because that's what sheep do. And he would begin to settle down and begin to lay down. Now he'd get comfortable and the sheep would get comfortable and all of a sudden he began to lay down on his side. And while he laid down on his side, if he was overweight or if he was overgrown in wool, he would flip over. And as he would flip over, his legs are in the air and he's kind of frantically trying to turn back over and he can't. 
So here's what happens. There's a, there's a thing in, in sheep that their gas begins to build up when they're on their back and in their stomach, and all of a sudden, it's a life or death moment, and they can begin to die. It's a matter of time before they die, and he's frantically doing this. So you have this sheep who is thinking that he is all good, life is beautiful, he's laying down, all of a sudden, he's in a, in a, a place of panic. And now who's he relying on? Shepherd. Because the shepherd is the only one who can come over and restore him, who can flip him back over onto his feet and take care of him and restore him. So what does a, a, a good shepherd do? A good shepherd goes after his sheep. A good shepherd goes no matter what is in his way, no matter what's going on, he's going to go and find that sheep. And when there's this beautiful picture that you see, this beautiful picture of the sheep and the shepherd in this moment of danger. And what you begin to see is this, is that this sheep that thought he was so good and, and life was great and he thought he was healthy and everything was fine, he wasn't. And he thought, oh, I'm going to get comfortable and I'm going to get in this spot and life's going to be good. And then he finds himself in a place of danger and he's now relying on the shepherd. And the shepherd, you see, he comes tenderly, compassionately. And he comes, no matter what, to get and restore and to put that sheep back where he needs to be. And so the shepherd comes and he flips him over and sometimes if he was hurt or if he broke his leg or something happened, what would the shepherd do? He'd put him on his, on his shoulders and he'd walk back and he'd restore him back to a place in the herd. And he would restore him back to what? In the presence of the shepherd. He was no longer able to wander and he would take care of him. But also what David says is this, is that there's a, there's a picture here. That's how the Lord responds to you and I. That we can wander off and we can kind of get in our own place, in our own you know, mess, where we think we're really good and we're fine, and all of a sudden we can find ourselves in danger. And we cry out to the Lord, cry out to God, and what's he going to do? He's going to come. He's going to come. And we don't know exactly, you know, we made decisions, we've done stuff, and we've gotten to that place. But God wants to restore us. God wants to restore you, and he wants to take you back to where you belong, in the presence and the care of him. Because when you're in the, when you're in the presence and the proximity of the shepherd, what? You don't lack anything. When you wander and you go off, that's when you begin to lack everything. So then David begins to say this. He says that he refreshes my soul. He guides me along paths for what? His name's sake. So here's what you got to understand. One of the biggest safety measures for shepherds is how well he moves the herd. What do I mean by that? Well, sheep, you can let them go out. Now, again, they're not very smart animals. They're dependent on the shepherd. They'll wander off. They'll do whatever they want to do unless they're guided. Sheep, when they're brought to a pasture, they can sit there and graze, and they'll continue to graze. And once they graze, here's what happens. They will graze all the way down to the root, and sometimes they'll even go past the root. You know what happens? They damage the land. All of a sudden, the land can be infected by pesticides and by bugs, causing damage to them and to the herd. So the shepherd 
knows and he's willingly looking out. He's watching his animals graze, his, his herd graze, and he's thinking in his mind, okay, here's the next place we got to go and the next place we got to go. And he moves his herd accordingly because he doesn't want them to die. He wants them to thrive. So he begins to move in different places and he stakes his reputation on this. See, the success of, of the health and the well-being of his sheep is how well he's going to move his herd from one pasture to the next pasture to the next pasture. And he's got it laid out. He knows where he's going. The sheep don't. They just know they're cared for. And then so he begins to, to move them in a spot. And here's the thing. He is so in tune with the land and so concerned about his sheep. Here's what the shepherd does. He will walk the land to and fro. And he looks for cracks and he looks for you know, uh, divots and he looks for these things. He knows the, the pros and the cons of the next pasture. He knows the advantages and he knows the disadvantages. And he, he looks at it and he says, okay, now we need to go in this direction. And the reason why we need to go in this direction is because it's the best for, not for him, but for who? The sheep. It's for the well-being and the health of the sheep. And here's what I, here's what I want you to understand. It, it is this, just like that shepherd, God is leading us and leading you and I into a certain direction. He knows what's best for us. See, I can get into trouble on my own. We all can get in trouble on our own. If I'm out of the proximity of the shepherd, I'm, I'm, I'm prone to wander off. I'm prone to do my own thing. I'm prone to do whatever. And then I go, what? what? Just like you. But it's in the proximity where we have provision. And see, what, what God has for you and I is this. He knows the direction of where we know where we need to go. He leads us there, and he leads us there, why? Because he knows what's good for us, and he acts accordingly. And we might not understand where God's leading you and where God's taking you, but you can trust the fact that it's for the health and the wealth of you. It is for your well-being and for my well-being. And see, he has the best interest in his mind. His plan is thought out. Look, God's plan is thought out for your life. It's not by accident. He's like that shepherd. What is the best place where I can move my sheep and that they will be successful? See, God just doesn't want you to strive and kind of flop and do things on your own. He's taking you a place where you can thrive. But you have to be in the proximity of what? The shepherd. See, and we can, we can know that and we can understand that, that he brings us to a place that where we need to be. But here's the question for you and I. If the Lord is our shepherd, then why do we still lack? If God is shepherd, then why do you still lack? Because if you call yourself a Christian, if you call yourself a believer, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, the thing that makes the difference in your life is him. But here's the problem. If he makes all the difference then why in the world are we not content? If God gives us everything and, and is, it does things for our well-being and for our best interest, then why are we not content? i tell you why we're not content. Because we continue to go through life looking for the one thing that is going to satisfy us. And so we think out of the shepherd's care and the work of the shepherd that we are going to somehow be fulfilled. 
But you end up going on saying, well, I'm just not content. I'm still searching for that one thing that's going to satisfy me. But the one thing that's going to satisfy you, you're far from. See, it's time that we, we come to a place where we say, we need to be dependent on him. That independent from him, apart from him, I lack everything. With him, I lack nothing. So here's, here's kind of the, the thing for you. Maybe you're in this room. Okay, and, the, and this statement's kind of difficult that, that God wants to do something in your life and, and you belong to him. Maybe you don't feel like you belong to his flock. Maybe you're at that point. But here's, here's what I want you to understand. There's, there's a couple things I want you to understand. The first one is this. Admit that there's ownership of you. Admit that you belong to his flock. See, we discount ourselves, don't we? And here's the thing about God. And here's a couple things why you belong to his flock. First of all, he created you. I believe he created you, hands down. David would say in Psalms later, he would say that you are fearfully and what? Wonderfully made. That when you were in your mom's womb, that God formed you. He knew exactly what you were going to be like. He knew exactly where you are going to go to school. He knew exactly who you are going to marry, how many kids you were going to have. He created everything about you, including your personality, and he's in love with you. And he knows more about you than you know about you. And if the good shepherd created you and he loves you that much, why wouldn't you trust him? And here's the other thing. Not only did he create you, but he bought you with a price. Here's the thing about Jesus. It says, and John would say this, that I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd does what? He lays down his life for the sheep. And when Jesus came to earth, what did he do? He was on one mission and one mission only, and that was what? To redeem that which was lost. And you and I were both lost. And there's a world that is continually lost. And Jesus' one mission was to redeem that. That sin and our mistakes that came in and and drew us apart from our Heavenly Father, that put this gap between us, Jesus came and said, I'm going to fill that gap. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to fill that gap and I'm going to restore you, I'm going to redeem you, and it's by my death, and we'll celebrate it on Easter, his death and his resurrection. Because of that, We're made whole and complete. And we are brought back into this right relationship with Jesus. So if you don't believe that you're a part of his flock, then that's where you start. See, you simply start with, okay, well, he created me and he loves me that much, but he loves me even more that he bought me, that I'm no longer live for myself. I live for him. And there's something that transpires there in your life when you begin to make that decision. And maybe here, or here's the other thing, maybe you're here and you're living independently. And what I mean by that is you're living independently and you're doing things on your own. And we've all done stupid things. We've all done stupid mistakes and made stupid mistakes. But here's what you're doing is you are continually making decisions and choices that are poor habits. And they've developed into these bad habits. And you continue to make these decisions. You go, why can't I get out of these bad habits? Why can't I stop doing this? And the more you, you try to stop in the bad habits, you find yourself going back to those habits. 
And it's as if God is saying this, and you're saying back to him, he's saying, just be over here. Why do you keep going back to that? And what you're saying is, God, I'm going to live independently of you, and I'm going to do what I want to do. And some of us, as we continue to make those choices, you're living independently of the good shepherd, you're living independently of the herd and where God wants you. And so as you're doing that, you're saying, I'm going to live independently, but you continually make these decisions and these choices, even if they lead you into trouble. And you're okay with that. And God's not. And he's standing there and he's saying, what are you doing? I want you back. I want to restore you. I want to bring you back. Stop living independently of me. And then there's others of you. You know you've wandered. See, some of you in this room have come to a place where you're like that sheep. And you've settled down and you're good. And all of a sudden you're finding yourself on your back flailing going, what is going on? And I don't know what's happening because I thought everything was good and I thought life was good. And you're sitting here flailing and you've made choices and you made decisions that have brought you to that place. And you don't know what to do but to rely on on the good shepherd. And, And here's the thing that some of us think. We think there's no way I can get back to where I need to be. I've gone too far. I made too many decisions. I made too many mistakes. There's no way that I can come back. See, there's a misconception about who God is. See, we have this misconception that God somehow is up in heaven, and every time we make a mistake or we're on our back flailing like a sheep, he's going, I told you so. We have this misconception that God says, well, I'm just disappointed in you. I can't believe you did that. That's your third time. Strike three, you're out. And he turns your back on you. It's a misconception. It's not who God is. It's not who he is. It's not in his DNA. See, the thing about God is this. When you look at, when you look at life, and you look at the life of, uh, of Jesus, nobody was ever too far gone for Jesus to touch them. When you look at the life of Jesus, he began to deal with outcasts. He began to deal with people who didn't deserve it. And he touched their lives. No one was out. There was, there was no like restrictions on who Jesus would touch. There wasn't a list. This is what you have to do and this is how you have to live. There wasn't any of that. Because if you look at the life of Jesus, what do you do? He touched lepers who were socially outcasts. He healed the blind man, raised Lazarus from the dead. He said, I'm going to eat at tax collector's house. The people that nobody else likes because they're cheating their own people. They're taking taxes. They're hated by their own people. I'm going to eat at your house. And I'm going to get grief for it, but I'm going to eat at your house. And he touched people right where they were. And it didn't matter who they were or what their past was he would touch them. And the, the best, I think, story of redemption and how Jesus works is Peter. When you look at the life of Peter, a guy who followed Jesus for three years, he follows him for three years, he's a disciple of Jesus, and when the going gets tough, Peter bails. When Jesus dies, what is P- he says, hey, did I, did, do I know you, Peter? I know you, you're one of those followers of Jesus. See, he was afraid they were going to come after him and kill him. So he denies him three times. A guy who walked with Jesus, knew Jesus, was a disciple of Jesus, denies him three times. 
And yet God doesn't go, well, three strikes, you're out, Peter. Sorry. No. If you look at this life in the story of Peter, what does God do? He redeems and restores Peter. When Jesus goes and he leaves the earth, what happens? Peter begins to start the church and the Holy Spirit comes upon them and it is amazing. It's a great story of redemption and restoration of a guy who out, said out loud, I deny Jesus. I'm not with him. And he doesn't push him aside. He says, no, I'm going to still do great things through you. And see, I don't know about you, but here's the thing. If God and Jesus can do it for Peter, he can do it for you. There's nothing too difficult that God can't forgive. And there's nothing too difficult that God can't restore. Nothing. And see, we, we have this idea that God is out there, he's disgusted with me, and I'll never go back. And here's the thing, God is not trying to, to pay you back. You know what God's trying to do? Win you back. Let me say that again. He's not out to pay you back. He's out to what? Win you back. Because he's a God of love, grace, and redemption. And God is a God who, some of us, we know that we're lost. We know we made decisions. And he's out there pursuing you, wanting you to come back. And when he finds you, he's not going to say, I'm sorry, you made a terrible mistake. Three strikes, you're out. He's going to say, you know what? I forgive you. And I extend my grace and my mercy to you. And what he begins to do is he picks you up like the, like the shepherd. He'll pick you up like a sheep. He puts you back up. He restores you and says, okay, now you're in the best place you could possibly be. And that is in the presence of me. So stop wandering. Stop worrying. Stop going anywhere. Because provision is found in what? In the proximity of the shepherd. It's not found anywhere else. And see, for you and I, we think we know what's best for our lives, don't we? That's why we make our own decisions. Don't tell me what to do. And some of us think that God's telling us what to do. No, no, no. He's just leading you and guiding you to the best possible scenario for your life. It's not out to get you. He's out to restore and redeem you. And he's out to bring you to a place. See, if we learn this, think of, uh, think of how many regrets and how many problems we would not have if we relied and chose to be dependent on our Heavenly Father. How many things and how many regrets would we not have? A lot. So it's good to, to get to know this early. And here's what's going to happen for you and I. It's going to have to come down to this, that we're going to have to trust who we're following. So you and I, we can, we can follow ourselves, and, and I know I mess it up all the time. You know you mess it up all the time. But we have to begin to trust God in who he is and what he says he is, is true. And I know that's tough because we don't know where he's leading. The sheep don't know where the shepherd's leading, but you know what they do know? That they're going to be provided for that they're going to be cared for. They don't have to worry. They don't have to fear. But the shepherd's got this. And he knows what he's doing. And believe it or not, God knows what he's doing. And he's got this.
So if you're in a place today and you're kind of wandering or you're walking independently or you need to have ownership, I just want to pray today for you. Pray for all of us. That we'd stop wandering and going to the direction that we want to go and instead go in the direction that our Heavenly Father, the Good Shepherd, is leading us to. And let's begin to do that. Why? Because provision happens in the proximity of who? The Shepherd. Thanks for listening. And if you would like more information on our church or you'd like to visit us in person, you can go to basinchurch.org. And as always, we hope this content helps you on your faith journey.